Good morning, everybody. It is, what is today? Saturday. <laughs> wow, it's been that kind of week already. It is Saturday, October 17th, uh, 2020. This is 2020, and I am not Barbara Walters. Sorry. Uh, yeah, so we got a great study lined up for this morning. Uh, we are on study number four of Nehemiah. So we're going to be looking at chapter four. In fact, we're doing again the entire chapter of uh, chapter four of Nehemiah. It's it's a shorter one, uh, 23 verses, not too bad. Uh, but there's a lot of great information that we can pull from this, a lot of stuff going on that we can we can get through. Things are gonna be good. Is it gonna be a it's gonna be a good study today? Mm. Hope you're all having a great morning so far. So here we go. So we're gonna do Chapter four, and this is working through the opposition. That's what we're doing here today. All right, so apparently I did not uh, clear up that slide. This is Nehemiah 4, verses 1 to 23. Yeah, not 3, 1 to 32. Sorry about that. Uh, now, when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged. And he jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burned ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and he said, Yes, what they are building, if a fox goes up on it, it will, he will break down their stone wall. Hear, O oh God. <laughs> wow, I'm having fun. All right. Hear, O oh our God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. So we built the wall. And the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashadites heard that the, re excuse me, that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. In Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemies said, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. At, the at that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times, You must return to us. So in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, in open places, I stationed the people by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your homes. When our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. From that day on, half of my servants worked on construction 
and half held the spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah, who were building on the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side while he built. The man who sounded the trumpet was beside me. And I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, the work is great and widely spread and we are separated on the wall far from one another. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. So we labored at the work and half of the men held the spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out. I also said to the people at the time, let let every man and his servant pass the night within Jerusalem, that they may be a guard for us by night and may labor by day. So neither I nor my brothers nor my servants nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes. Each kept his weapon at his right hand. Okay, so this breaks down into two basic spots. This is uh, 1 to 14, opposition rises. And then 15 to 23, this is working through the opposition. Okay, and there's there's several things that we need to see here and, and some interesting things that we need to consider as Christians, uh, recognizing that we are under a new covenant, right? Things are a little different than they were. Okay, so 1 to 14, opposition rises. So 1 to 3, now when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged and jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing, right? He mocks them, goes through this. And then Tobiah, the Ammonite, was beside him and he said, yes, what they are building, if a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. So Sanballat, we're seeing him again, right? We've, we've seen him, we've heard of him before, and he's now coming back into the picture because he's kind of a, a key player for the... Uh, people going against the rebuilding of the wall. So he is, again, greatly displeased by the actions being taken to rebuild the, the wall and the city for the, for the Jews at all, right? The people of Jerusalem at all. Now he gathers the army of Samaria, which is likely his local militia, right? Okay, so he's, this, this saying is most likely the local army of his land, right? That area, so his militiamen right there. Um, and he mocks the Jews, and he's mocking them very openly. Now, if we take a look at these, what is he saying? Uh, what are these feeble Jews doing? Now, the, the word feeble here uh, is really a meaning for like, uh, um, um, it was a term used when women could no longer, like hit menopause and could no longer bear children. And it was just, um, it was kind of an odd term, but it was a very... It was a very mocking term for the time. So it was a very underhanded, very mocking term. Um, so what are these feeble Jews doing, right? Well, they restore it for themselves, you know, just kind of mocking like, ah, see, he's not, he's not doing, they're not doing this for the, for Persia, right? Uh, Artaxerxes must be thinking that this is for Persia and are they going to do it for themselves? That's not right. And then let's see what Restore from themselves. Will they sacrifice, right? Are they going to make their sacrifices to their God there? Will they finish it up in a day? Like this is, it looks like garbage. They're not doing a good job. You know, it's, it's not, it's not building well. So they're going to finish this up in a day. They're just rushing through this and doing a terrible job. This is no big deal. 
You know, will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and the burned ones? Now, something with, that we need to look at here. Now, I mentioned before with the rebuilding, when they would rebuild these, said something would happen to the stones and, and you know, stones weren't very use, useful. The wood obviously isn't going to be useful. Okay, so they're mocking the stones because the type of stones that are typically used for this are limestone. Well, limestone, when it's burned, when it's produced, or a great heat is put upon it, its chemical structure completely alters and it crumbles. It just crumbles and falls apart. It's not sustainable at all. It's no longer like a stone. And so they're, they're mocking, saying, what are they going to do? Use, use the sand that used to be a stone as to rebuild their wall? What, is, what are they doing? Right? And then Tobiah doubles down on this by saying, yeah, if a, it couldn't even hold up a fox. A fox walking on that wall would tear it down. Like, this is ridiculous. These people are stupid, right? That's that's what they're doing. That's what they're saying and getting at is these people are are incredibly stupid to be rebuilding this. They're, they're, they're not doing a good job. It's pretty clear. It's not, this isn't going to last. This is nothing. And then four and five. How did they respond? Well, Nehemiah and the Jews. Notice how he says we, right? For we are despised, okay? They start praying together. Nehemiah responds in prayer. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. Now, remember, it was okay in Jewish mindset and Jewish custom, it was okay to go for an eye for an eye, right? That was like a judge's ruling was, yeah, you know, what they do to you, you can do to, you can do back. We have to keep in mind as Christians, we need to filter and we need, nah, filter's a bad term. I'm sorry. We need to look and study and look through the Old Testament through the lens of the New Testament. And this is not giving us permission and telling us, go ahead and, and pray to God asking for bad things to happen. No, we've actually been commanded the direct opposite. We are to pray for our enemies, right? So, but we can look at this and see, look, there, there is prayer. He's praying. His response to this massive opposition and these, these not threats necessarily to this point, at this point yet, but the response to their mocking is prayer right? He responds by prayer. He responds to the taunting here with prayer. And he asks God to turn the words of their enemies against them, okay? And he recognizes that God is with them, okay? Look at that. He recognizes that God is with them and that the enemy isn't just provoking them. They're provoking God. Similar to a couple of the Psalms, like Psalm 74, and I believe it was Psalm 79. Uh, but let's look at Psalm 74, 18 and 19. Remember this, O Lord, how the enemy scoffs and a foolish person reviles your name. Do not deliver the soul of your dove to the wild beasts. Do not forgive the life of your poor forever. Oh, do not forget. Excuse me. Do not forget the life of your poor forever. Wow. Yeah, that totally changes the meaning there. <laughs> uh, so he's he's kind of pointing out and doing a very similar, um, a very similar type of prayer. God, remember us. We're your people. We're 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 your poor people right now. We're we're 
lost. We're destitute. We, we, get, we have nothing. We can't do this on our own. We need you. Please be there for us and protect your people as we go and we do what it is that you've called us to do. And that would be the, the equivalent today. God, protect us. If something's going to happen, protect us and, and, and keep them away. Like, protect us from the enemy. If they are going against us, I recognize that they're not going against me. They're going against you. God, please protect your people doing your work. And that's what's going on here. See, he believes that this is an assault on God's people doing his will, meaning God's will as an assault. This is an assault on God directly. And he would protect them, right? If you're assaulting God's people, then clearly you're assaulting God, right? Because you're you're God's children, right? You're God's people. Okay, verse six. So we built the wall, right? So they're mocking and they're, they're mocking them. They're, they're throwing down some really nasty words in their direction, making fun of them. And to the point where the Jews need to pray and respond, like you can tell it's demoralizing. Their morale is dropping through the roof and or dropping through the baseboards, really. It's just dropping way down. And they're praying, saying, God, protect us from this. You know, lift up, lift up our spirits, continue to motivate us to get this done and get it going. And, and, Toss it back. Like if, if something's going to happen, Lord, protect it from happening to us. You know, the old schoolyard saying, uh, you know, I'm rubber, you you are glue, you're whatever, however it was, bounces off of me and sticks to you. Gosh, dang, wow, that was really cheesy, wasn't it? Man, thinking back to childhood, we were cheesy. Still are. That's all right. So uh, anyway, so yeah, so we built the wall and all the wall was joined together to half its height. For the people had a mind to work. Okay, so they at that point they hadn't finished connecting the wall, right? They had, they had, I'm trying to see if I can get it's so weird to do this with the camera. They had it built like this, and they finally connected the wall. So the city was completely encompassed by wall. Finally. And it was half high. Okay. So um whatever the finished height was, it was half. Right, I mean that's pretty self-explanatory. It was a half-high wall, which means it's not very protective. It's better than nothing. It's a deterrent. It gives you some sense of security. It gives you some help, uh, but it's it's not full protection. It's not going to do a very good job, but it's a great starting point. Okay, so they completed and connected the whole wall at half height, and it could still be thwarted. Right, things could still be thwarted, but the openings were sealed. Because God had placed in it, in them, excuse me, to work hard at this task, right? God had called, they had responded, and they were working hard to get through this. And we see seven and eight. But when Samballot and Tobiah the, and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashadites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. Okay, now we, we see that this list is now growing. Tobiah, excuse me, Symbalat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites. So we already saw Arabs coming into this and the Ammonites were kind of there. Now the Ashadites. Now we're, we're seeing that this is starting to grow. Okay, the, the distaste for the Jews in the region is starting to grow. It's spreading, right? They're spreading. The mockery and the words going out are spreading. People are becoming less and less pleased with what the Jews are doing, Okay. Eight, uh, yeah, eight. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion 
in it. Notice, to cause confusion inside. Okay, so this is, they're playing both physical and mental warfare. A lot of what they're doing is a mental warfare. They're trying to, to uh, create a, an area and a mental state that is too difficult for people to work in, too demoralized, right? If we make it to where they're afraid we're going to come and attack them, then they're not going to want to do the work. And so that'll keep them away. And if we tell them that the work's too hard and there's too much work, we help them realize that this is just too much. It's too much for anybody. Then they're going to stop. It's just, it's too much. They won't continue. And so that's what they do. Now, Sam Ballot heard what was continuing, making that they were making real progress. They connected the wall. Sure, it's, it's short, but they've connected it and there's still work to do, but they connected it. The wall is fully encompassing now. They're making real progress. And he and those with him were in, angered. They were enraged by this. Now, from the lands that we see here, we can actually see that the east, so for you guys, the east, the west, and the south, okay, of the city, they were all coming up against them. So they were surrounded on three sides and all of them were coming up against them and working against them. And the plot goes against the kings. Now realize this plot going against the Jews actually goes against the king's orders. The king gave approval. Artaxerxes gave approval for the Jews to rebuild this. And so the plot going against Nehemiah and the building of the wall goes against king's permission and goes against his per, uh, approval for this, right? Persia was a ways off. We need to keep this in mind. Persia was a ways off. It took a couple months for them to get there. So if it takes two months to get there, that means it takes two months to get back to Persia. Probably uh, even, even if it only takes a day or two to gather the armies and two months to get the armies back, that's four months with a half high wall. That's a lot of siege time going on at that wall and against this people before an army gets there. I mean, they were sent with an armed escort. I think because Artaxerxes knew there was going to be opposition, but that's not a full army. They don't have a full army here. They have a demoralized people who are, are already burdened and working very hard. And a lot of them are not skilled in the art of warfare. And they have a very small group of guardsmen. We don't know how, how big, but I, it's not going to be an army, right? And so now you have multiple people groups surrounding three quarters of this town trying to come against them, even though that goes against their king's orders. But they don't want this to succeed because if the Jews succeed, they're afraid that, that life for them is going to go downhill again. They're no longer going to be on top because the Jews were very successful, right? They were very good at what they were doing. And so that was going to take away from them and they didn't want that, okay? So they were playing, it's, they were playing, they were playing a numbers game. They were, they were taking their time to recognize we can do things without displeasing the king, trying to make sure that this doesn't happen because we don't want it to happen because it'll hurt us, okay? Now, when it says they were very angry, they didn't want the walls rebuilt, Right? They didn't want the city rebuilt. They didn't want the people rebuilt. Because like I was just saying, even, even though the king has approved this, it went against what they wanted because this was their success area. They were doing well there without the Jews. And when the Jews were there, the Jews were the ones doing well in the area. They don't want that to go back. Okay. We, we see stuff like that in our lives a lot. 
verse 9, and we prayed. Notice the pattern. Notice the pattern here. Nehemiah then prays again, but he says, and we. This is again, this is a time when it's very explicit. It's not just Nehemiah. God's chosen people prayed. The Jews prayed. And we prayed to our God. And notice, I love this, how practical they are and how practical this is. We prayed to our God and set a guard as protection against them day and night. See, they're trusting God to either fully prevent the situation from happening, like an attack from happening, or to be with them, to protect them through one, okay? Not saying, God, protect us, put up this shielded barrier where, like they said, feeble, we can't do anything about it. No, they doubled down and said, God, we want kind of like, a, kind of as we would see, your will. But we already know you're commanding us to do this. And so we're here doing your will. So protect us, keep us safe from these people. But in case they still come, give us strength and give us success. Be with us through the battle if the battle continues to come. And they set up guard, okay? They were prepared. They were prepared saying, God, make it to where it doesn't happen. But if it does, give us victory. Give us success because we're doing what it is that you've called us to do. You have brought us here to rebuild this wall for your people and for eventually the Messiah to come through. So they prayed and they practically set up because they recognize bad things still happen, but God is still in control and he's still with you through them. Okay. 10 and 12. In Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. They're being demoralized, right? There's too much rubble because like I said, when limestone gets heated, it disintegrates, right? It's no longer like a stone. It disintegrates. So there's too much rubble. By ourselves, we are not able to rebuild the wall. And our enemies said, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. And at that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us 10 times, you must return to us. Okay, so we're going to break this down really fast. So this describes what happened in verse 9 in more detail. Okay, verse 9. Uh, okay, we set up protection. It, it doesn't really describe verse 9, I suppose. It, it really is. Uh... No, it, it is. It is. I'm sorry. It, it does. It does describe verse 9 as the setting up against them, okay? It's kind of what was going on, right? It's laying the foundation to understand verse 9, okay? So people were hearing that the strength the strength of the builders was failing, right? The project was massive and it was exhausting. So this is an ex explanation. It's not a small task, right? Verse 11, they were terrified by the potential of a nighttime attack, right? Our enemies were saying... They will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop their work. 12, and the families of the laborers were begging them to come home for safety. You got to return to us. And so that's the explanation of why what happened in verse 9. So we prayed to God to re-strengthen us, to prepare us and prevent this nasty situation. But if it comes to give us success, right? And we see in verse 13, 
So in the lowest parts of the space behind the walls, in the open places, open places, I stationed the people by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows. Now notice this. He stations the people by their clans. He stations protection with their own people, okay? Which is a beautiful thing and it's a brilliant thing because if you're um, around other people, if something goes wrong, if, you know, one clan is next to another group who's building and they don't protect them, Man, you got faction wars then that are going to happen. They're blames, right? But if you're with your family, if you're with your brothers and sisters, you're going to do everything you can to protect them and do what you can. And it also is a motivation. I'm rebuilding the wall that protects my people. I'm going to work really hard and build a good wall to protect my people because they're my people. Even though they're all Jews, there's different clans, right? And sometimes there's internal factions and, and friction that happens. And so it's very wise. It's promoting balance and it's discouraging blame, right? This was a very wise decision. So he's showing wisdom. Now in 14, and I looked and rose and said to the nobles, said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, nobles, officials, and everyone else. Okay. Do not be afraid of them meaning the enemy, right? Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. You remember that time when he took us out of Egypt? Do you remember that time when he did? Do you remember the time he did this? How about this and this and this and this, right? Remember our God who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, okay? He's saying, if we have to, we will fight. And we will fight for your brothers, your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. Saying it's you're not just fighting to uh, protect a wall. That's silly. Walls are there to protect the people. We're fighting to protect our loved ones. We're fighting to protect home. We're fighting to protect everyone. Okay. So he tells the nobles so that they can continue to remind the people later, the nobles and officials, right? So they can continue to remind people. When their people start sitting there saying, I'm tired, I can't keep going. No, remember, we got to do this. This is going to happen. Working together. So CEO tells upper management tell and middle management and everyone else. So when everyone else has struggles, they can go to middle management. When middle management has struggles, they can go to upper management, right? We can encourage each other, right? We can encourage one another to continue going and working through this. It's a great thing. It's a beautiful thing. And it's a great plan. Okay. So this is a good thing. Now, and he says, do not be afraid. This is very reminiscent of things that we see in Deuteronomy and Joshua. Let's look at Deuteronomy 1. Uh, See, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up, take possession. As the Lord, the God of your fathers has told you, do not fear or be dismayed. God gave them the land. He's telling them, protect your home. This is a God-given home. Protect it. And we see in Joshua 1, verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. All right. He says, remember the Lord. This is like Psalms, excuse me, ooh, like Psalm 77. 
Okay, Psalm 77, 11. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. And he says, fight for your family, for your homes. You are not a hired mercenary. You're fighting for love. You're fighting for life. You're fighting for your home. God gave us the land. We must not forget that God is for us and he is in this, which is very reminiscent, not for him, but for us. It's very reminiscent to Romans 8.31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, I hope you finish that with me. Who can be against us? Right? If God is for us, who can be against us? And this isn't saying that there's not going to be people against us because there's always going to be people against us. That's it's ridiculous. What it's saying is it doesn't matter. God has our back. God, the creator of everything. The God who came to earth in the form of a man, right? We have Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but they're all three part of this. They're all the same God. God came to earth in the form of a man, not only as propitiation for our sins, but so that he, so that when we approach him saying, it's hard, it's bad, he can turn around and say, I've been there. I understand. I walked it. Yeah, I was in the garden with Adam and Eve, but I came down after sin as well. As Jesus, I came down and I walked it. I saw the temptation. I was tempted. I set that bar back up, that perfection bar back up. And I gave you an example of how to live. How to live the way I have created you to live, even inside the sin-filled world. I understand. And then he shows love and mercy and grace. But we have to remember, because so often we tend to think in, in, Christian, in Christianity anymore, we tend to think that God is all grace. God is all love. And then that's, we only want to think of that side of God. But we forget us several things, that our God is a just God and demands justice. Okay, he will produce the justice. We need to not confuse that and think that we give justice for God. God gives justice, okay? He is a just God and he is a jealous God. In fact, we even see in scripture that jealous is his name, okay? There are attributes of God that work in tandem, okay? It works in balance with the grace and the mercy and the love. God is love, okay? There is no love apart from God. But we have to understand that love works in balance with justice. Love works in balance and grace works in balance. You can't have, you can't have that. There isn't real love without the justice, okay? So we have to recognize these things as well. But we need to know, just like they were saying then in Nehemiah's time, and Nehemiah was saying, God's with us. Don't worry about this. Do not be afraid of these people. Remember God who has done amazing things. And at that point, got us out of Egypt. He's done this. He's done this. He's done this. Going down a list. He could have easily. He's great and awesome. And fight for your brothers, for your sons, for your daughters, for your wives, and for your homes. Right? Fight for your people and fight for your land. All right, then it changes over to working through the opposition. We're into working through the opposition now, okay? 
So, 15. When our enemies heard that it was known to us, okay, that their plots had come in and we heard about it, and that God has frustrated their plans, wasn't going to happen, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. Okay, God had frustrated their plans. The enemy was likely talking and bluffing, okay? They were probably bluffing. We can't say for for 100% certain, but they're not going to go against Artaxerxes. They're not going to go against their king. They have permission, right? Nehemiah has permission to go in and rebuild the wall. If they go and fight him, they're going against their king. And so that would have to take some real convincing on their side to get to their people to do that. So they're most likely bluffing. And basically the Jews called their bluff, right? Ah, okay, but just in case, we'll take half the people off the wall. It's going to slow it down a little bit, but they're going to have a sword on their, on their hip and there's going to be somebody standing next to them with a spear, ready to go. We'll be ready for your attack just in case because we're going to take it seriously. While we're calling your bluff, we're still going to take it seriously just in case you get a wild hair and you run for it. And you just do it anyway, okay? They're fear because they recognize that these people fear the king, but they and they want the work to stop. But they don't want the work to stop. The Jews don't want that to stop. See, the people were scared, and so they essentially called the bluff by preparing, adding reinforcements, and continuing the work. Sixteen to eighteen. So, sixteen to eighteen. That's all right. We'll read it. From that day on, half of my servants worked on construction and half held their spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. Stop for a second here. Servants here in Hebrew is Nahar. Nahar. Nahar, I believe. Anyway, which means young man. It's a male. Okay. Male from basically infancy until the age of adulthood. So until they become an adult. It means a young man someone who is very able to work, right? Someone who is young and strong and capable. It's also a term for soldier or a servant or a retainer. Somebody who is either young and capable or trained and has the ability to stand in one's stead. Like they would get the permission to to answer things while... The other, their master or their person above them was away, not necessarily as a servant slave, right? This isn't a term for slave. This is a term for a young man who is capable, a capable young man who may actually even have some training behind that. Okay. So my servants worked on construction, half held the spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind them excuse me, and the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building on the wall. Who Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way each labored on the, work, on the work with one hand and held his weapon in the other. And each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side while he built. The man who sounded the trumpet was beside me. Okay, so the servant portion is less likely an actual servant like a slave, but more of a young man who might even have some military training and someone who Nehemiah is likely very close to, someone that he trusts. These are people that he trusts, okay? Uh, since the wall was half high, 
they chose to slow the construction and give focus on protection of the workers and the people. Not just protection of the workers, but protection of the people. Okay, half to protect, half for building. Okay, the leader stayed inside the walls while the people worked. And you know, some people get kind of, uh, they don't necessarily like that, but it, it is just what it is. That's just kind of a part of it, right? Um, if they carried a load, if a worker was carrying a load, they held it on their head. And this is just something that we know from the culture of the day. They would pretty much hold it on their head and hold it with one hand to balance and they would hold the other end with their sword or they would hold their sword, right? And they would balance the load. And if working with both hands, like if they were constructing on the wall and, and working with both hands, ooh, looks like we might be having some streaming problems. Looks like we're having some streaming problems. Sorry, guys. Um, hopefully this is getting out okay. But anyway, we'll continue. Uh, if they're working with both hands, then they had their sword strapped to their hip, ready for action regardless. And to the officials and to the rest of the people. The work is great and widely spread, and we are separated on the wall, far from another, one another. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. They set up an alert system because everyone was spread out. If you heard it, go and protect. God's with us and will protect us and our efforts, but we still have to stand up and do what we need to do. We still need to stand up and fight. Okay? labored at the work and half of them held the spears from the break of dawn until I also said to the people at the time let every man and his servant pass the night within Jerusalem that they may be a guard for us by night and may labor by day as I'm sure you've noticed we did have some technical difficulties at the very end of this show however it's okay you can go ahead and grab your bible open it up and do the last bit of study yourself and then make sure to join us again next time here on Sip and Study, where we continue on in Nehemiah. Thanks and God bless.